Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon, and together with my husband, Marcus Dillon, we lead Who's Really the Boss podcast, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. Today we have Marcus as always and maybe my favorite guest ever that will ever be in the history of Who's Really the Boss, Kinley, our oldest daughter. Welcome. Hi, guys. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, no, it was uh, your favorite, probably my favorite, uh, hardest to get guests on the podcast. I think this is costing us a lot. Um, this might be the most expensive episode we ever record. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. What, well, let's start with introduction, Kinley. Tell, let's start with basic information. How old are you? Where do you currently go to school? Let's start with that. Okay, I'm 18. I'm starting Baylor in the fall, and I'm going to major in apparel design. Awesome. And what are you currently doing do you have a job? Are you going to get a job when you get there? What are your plans for this upcoming year? I currently run my own business, Kinley's Confections, and I have been running that since 2019, where I make custom cakes, cupcakes, macarons, um, cake pops, pretty much any dessert you can think of. Um, I've been selling those since 2019, and I'm hoping to continue that at Baylor. I just found out my dorm has a kitchen, so hopefully it'll be doable. Yeah. 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 So tell a little bit about, um, we'll get into this more, but tell a little bit about that kitchen and what that will allow you to do on campus. Hopefully the kitchen will allow me to make little treats that parents can send their kids on campus, like as a little care package, but like directly from Baylor. And so it's like fresh and the kids just know that their parents are thinking of them. And I think it'd be really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun and an excellent opportunity for you, but also an easy opportunity for parents mm -hmm. to connect with their kids yeah. and just reach out when they can't necessarily be there in person. Um, and so before we go any further, we ask every guest, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And you totally called me out, but I always say I totally stole that idea of sharing the advice from Sadie Robertson Huff from her podcast. And so, uh, but you called me out on that. So have you thought about the best piece of advice you want to share today? You always used to tell me that like when I was making cakes and other things like less is more and just like stop while you're ahead. So I always think <laughs> about that. Like if I'm like, I don't know if it's right. I'm just like less is more. I'll probably just end up looking better if I just stop now. <laughs> I think I'm glad that you have taken that piece of advice or at least remember it. Maybe you don't always take it uh, because I feel like I tell dad the same thing that less is more, uh, but I don't know that he ever follows that yeah. piece of advice. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Well, you, that you chose a piece of advice from Rachel and not me. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of good nuggets probably that I've given you over the years that probably are just that, so like, real estate or something. ingrained. Uh, yeah, and so that's good. Less is more. And uh, this actually came up in a conversation I was having with uh, breakfast with a friend of ours. And, you know, even um, 
it came up in a biblical sense, right? Like when God made the earth and stepped back and said, you know, this is good enough. You could continue to mess with it, continue to refine it. And, you know, even in that situation, he had to stop and say, you know, good, this is good. So, um, yeah, that's great advice. I love that. Well, let's keep going. So we didn't necessarily prep you with questions that we would be asking today. So you're going to do kind of like Marcus does usually on this podcast and just shoot from the hip. So I know one of your favorite things is to spend time with us just interrogating you and asking Mm -hmm. you question after question. So this should be a really fun time today. Uh, And we'll let you know, Marcus, you always have the best questions and definitely the most questions. So why don't you start? Um, so obviously you're starting Baylor in the spring. You graduated in May. So where have you been for the last semester? Obviously last, you weren't here. Oh. For the last semester, I've been in Switzerland um, studying abroad. Um, not just Switzerland. We traveled a lot of places, which was really cool. Um, got to travel to like six different countries, I think. And um, just studying over there, starting college in a different country is kind of crazy, but it worked out. (laughs) Yeah. What was your, um, you said six countries. So Mm -hmm. you were based out of Lugano, Switzerland, which is right on the other side of the Switzerland-Italian border. Um, Out of those six different trips that you had, what was your, what was the one that stood out the most while you were there? My favorite trip was probably when I went to London over, we had like a little fall break and I went to London with my aunt and my cousin. Um, So that was really fun. That was the longest trip I did while I was there. And then the city that stood out to me most was probably Paris, but we literally got one full day there. So, cause like we landed Friday night and we left Sunday morning. So we had one full day there. So it would have been great to like see more of it, but I definitely planned on going back. So that's good. So those are probably two places that you want to go again. Yes. Uh, what about Switzerland? Do you think you'll ever go back to Switzerland? I think I would love to go back to Switzerland in the springtime, like maybe early May, because in the summer it's so hot and nowhere has AC. And then in the winter it's so cold. And if you're not a great skier, um, I'm sure they have easy skiing, but I think it's kind of hard to find. <laughs> and then and then it's just kind of cold and rainy in the fall too. So I think spring would really be a great time to visit. Yeah. So we had a good time in December when we came back to pick you up. We were able to bring Avery, our youngest daughter, along with us at that time too. And so we did basically like a road trip around Switzerland and visited places that you hadn't been while you were there. You had been north one time on a quick trip mm-hmm. um, in Switzerland, but... We really went around around the mountains um, and then ended up on the French Switzerland border and we had a great time, but it was cold and a lot of the activities were centered around skiing and we found out that skiing there is really intermediate and uh, not necessarily, there's not a lot of options if you're a beginner skier. They do have beginning skiing, but you don't have the same amount of lifts and runs and that 
type of thing. And we, (laughs) well, Marcus, you can tell a little bit about the challenges we ran into when we first arrived in Switzerland and getting a car to do this road trip. Um, But I think it was probably the right choice to not schedule and take all of the ski gear that would have been necessary for a ski trip. So I think a lot of our friends uh, have been following your story, obviously, with Kinley's Confections and how you started that. And also this last semester where you were studying abroad. So um, maybe we'll talk a little bit if you recommend um, people have a child study abroad here in a bit. But one of the things that we ran into when we went to pick Kinley up was the vehicles in Europe are on the smaller side compared to what we're used to in the U.S., especially Texas. And so you had, um, I believe, five pieces of full-size luggage to bring back to the States, Yeah, correct? And so when we showed up, the rental car that we had rented didn't even fit like our stuff for the three of us that were just coming into town, uh, let alone the bags that were going to travel with us the whole week while we were in Switzerland. So we had um, some rental car, you know, um, switcheroo uh, that ended up costing uh, seven co- times, yeah. seven times what we Se- had planned seven on. times uh, for a car. I believe we bought the car. So I think <laughs> we have a car in Switzerland if anybody needs to use that when they go over. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where um, big vehicles just aren't the norm there. And the other piece that we kind of learned in this process is we could have actually shipped back some of the items that you wanted to bring back with you and not carry them around Switzerland and make people take them in and out of our car all week and all that fun stuff. So I think it was to ship items back, a box was what, 50 pounds, $200 to ship back? to ship back. So still um, something to think about whenever you come back from a trip like that um, versus spending seven times the amount on a rental car. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your favorite thing about the semester there? Mm, I think my favorite thing about the semester was just getting to travel so much Um, and for not that expensive either. Like the plane tickets, I feel like we're usually under a hundred round trip. Not the best airlines, but <laughs> can't have a carry-on bag if, unless you want to pay fifty extra dollars. But and they also weighed the bags, yeah. right? For most of them, even if they were carry-on, they yeah. they you had, had to be to under measure a certain... your your personal item so it fit. Yeah. And what was the most frustrating or difficult part of the semester? For me, I think the most frustrating part was not having like my own transportation because where I lived, what there wasn't like um, a big like underground system or a bus system that came like every five, 10 minutes like there is in most major European cities. And so we had one bus that came every hour, which doesn't sound bad until you're actually like needing to go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, I have to wait 40 minutes. And then you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh, I can walk a mile or like mile and a half back uphill with all of my groceries or I can wait 35 minutes for another bus that also was at an inconvenient location. So you still had to walk upstairs to get to. Um, so it was that was tricky. And I think it would have been much easier if I had had a car. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, also just like learning to live in a small space with multiple roommates was kind of tricky too. Yeah. Yeah, that was a a good introduction into college life. So hopefully it's 
the bar is low and you can build upon it um, from here on out. But obviously your dorm there, it was three of you sharing Mm -hmm. that space. Uh, You did have a kitchen that was there. So you were able to bake and kind of do what you love to do. Mm -hmm. And you actually um, spun up, even though you weren't supposed to, a little business and you had kind of a subscription uh, certain days of the week for your other students there to kind of take advantage of what cookies mainly, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. A cookie subscription where I made four or five dozen a week um, because I had to limit myself just because of the time constraint, but usually they would sell out pretty fast. Um, Yeah. What was the other constraint that you had as far as baking in that setting or in that environment? Yeah, it definitely took a lot longer to bake there because I didn't have all my fancy like mixers and stuff. I had a hand mixer and here I have like just my stand mixer, which is so easy. So I can, when I'm mixing here, I can always multitask and do other things at the same time. But there it's like every single job is very hands-on. So it usually takes like double the amount of time to make anything there. Yeah. In addition to the equipment and the tools and the appliances that you're using are smaller. So you couldn't double batches of things. You couldn't bake multiple pans. You couldn't even bake a full pan at a time. Yeah, our pan was literally a half sheet and the oven was so small. (laughs) The refrigerator was small, oven was small, everything was half size, right? Yeah, when I was chilling a cake, I had to take everything out of the fridge (laughs) or the freezer. (laughs) That's awesome. What was uh, was something else to get used to? I think um, for, for us, noticing you know obviously you had transportation but what about like trash and waste things yeah like that? the trash rules were really specific in that part of switzerland because they're like i think they're one of like the leading green countries in the world and so they're really strict about waste and recycling and so their trash bags are a form of tax so you have to buy the specific color of trash bag for your city and it's way more expensive than trash bags would be here so you have to use them very like very like sparingly sparingly yeah um and then you have to take it to a specific dumpster and then for recycling which our school told us we had to do wasn't an option you had to go uphill like probably three quarters of a mile uphill to take it and sort it all into different bins and just it was definitely a process we definitely had recycling stacking up because we didn't want to take it out (laughs) but yeah at the end we just kind of splurged on trash bags and put all our, our recycling in there, but <laughs> yeah. So trash. And then what about what you, what your diet was when you were there, what you ate, what you yeah. survived on? What was that like? Yeah. Um, luckily we had a gas station right across, which wasn't really like a normal gas station. They had literally anything you could need. It was just way more expensive than going downtown to the grocery store. Um, so if I like was hungry, I'd probably just go to the gas station if the dining hall was closed or something. The dining hall is also there. Um, those options just got very, very boring, very fast. And then downtown, they had a lot of Italian food. Um, yeah, that's kind of all you could get if you wanted to go out to eat. We did find one Mexican restaurant, but the cheese looked more like slime than queso. <laughs> I love it. What would you say were your two most purchased items from Tam Oil, the gas station? My two most purchased items from Tamoil were paprika chips, which are kind of like barbecue chips, but they're way sweeter and way better, <laughs> and Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> so I think that's what she really survived off survived, of, yeah. though they, you guys, you and your roommates and friends did eat a lot of Italian food to to the point where you really don't 
care about Italian food as much as you did before you went for yeah, that for semester. Sure. Yeah. So obviously um, your first time out in the real world, you were there for what, four months pretty much mm -hmm. without like us coming to get you, uh, yeah. you know, uh, which is a big uh, mature stage. And you had other friends that went to other colleges here locally or in the States and they were able to come home and, you know, visit and you're going to different countries and things like that. So um, as part of that semester, you also changed kind of or, or dialed in really what you want to do for the rest of the next three and a half, four years, the rest of your college career. So tell us about that decision-making um, to, to change your major or um, narrow in what, what you, what your focus is going to be? Yeah. Originally I was planning on majoring in advertising um, at SMU. And then I took a class this semester that was pretty much the fundamentals of advertising, pretty much everything you learn in advertising. And when I realized I did not like that class, I was like, yeah, not for me. And then I realized I really like being creative and doing things that like I can be kind of hands on and not just kind of sitting there. So and then I in the past year, I've taken like a big interest in in sewing and creating clothes and stuff like that. And when I found out like, oh, I can major in that, like I can that's something I can do. Not at SMU, but Baylor has a great program for that. And so I was like, that sounds great. I'm going to do that. <laughs> well, and that's that's something that most people don't realize until like maybe after college or their career and in maybe their whole career, they do something that they don't love or they don't enjoy and they're kind of stuck. So I think for you to learn that at such a young age, early on in your adult life, it's going to benefit you more. Yeah, absolutely. So tell a little bit about what got you interested in sewing and how you started like how did you start when you decided oh i think i i think i might enjoy sewing i'm gonna do what yeah i don't really know what sparked the interest i just like one day i was like maybe i saw a video or something but i was like i was like i think i'm gonna order a sewing machine <laughs> it oh, went just i know it, it went just like that i think i was I'm gonna like, order a sewing i was like machine. i always would be shopping because that's what i do um, I would always be shopping and be like, there's something wrong with this. Like if this was taken off or this was added, like it would be great. So then I was like, I could do that. Like I could alter clothes if I wanted them. So I bought a sewing machine and then I just started making stuff like self-taught, watched a couple YouTube videos. I actually watched the video that came with the sewing machine, which was made in like 1990. So it was very dated, but it helped a lot. Taught me everything, pretty much everything I know now. Um, yeah, but I have watched some YouTube videos to learn other things along the way. So what are some of the things that you've created that you've made since you got your sewing machine? Yeah, I've made, I love making little like little things like little bags and stuff, but I've made a few tops and I've altered a few things, fixed a few holes. Um, re most recently I made a huge blanket out of my old sheets for like a little throw blanket for that in my bed. And then out of the same sheets, I made throw pillows for my bed, um, which I thought was cool. Um, just like a lot of upcycling and, um, yeah, making little things. And a lot of gifts that yeah, I think have gifts. been so special. Got to make little baby clothes for my little cousin. Yes. Yeah, my little cousin. Um, yeah. 
and and makeup bags and yeah, travel bags and I think every almost yeah. every grad gift I gave this year was a little makeup bag that I made. Yeah, I love it. And so your start into baking was very similar. You saw mm -hmm. something, you wanted to try it, and you did. So talk a little bit about that as far as where does that come from that you just see something like what's the thought process that goes through your mind? Well, usually if I see something like I can't stop thinking about it, I'm like, I have to do that. Like I have to, like, I feel like there's a lot of things like that that I'm like, oh yeah. Like, and then I get impatient waiting for it, like waiting for my sewing machine. I was like getting impatient. So I started doing stuff that could like help me start faster when it actually came and stuff like that. And how long did it actually take to like get two your days. sewing machine? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, like just to give, a, just to give yeah. a frame of reference, there it was literally two days in between deciding I'm going to. I think I want to sew the sewing mas machine sh showing up, and then maybe within 24 hours you had already made your first item. Yeah, it was. It was literally just. I think you had gone to Hobby Lobby or wherever and bought material and things before, like yeah. in the waiting period. So when you say you already start doing things before you even, you take the first step, right? Yeah. You start taking what are the steps that I'm going to need to be able to complete whatever the obsession yeah. <laughs> at the moment is. I love that. That's really good. Yeah. The kind of now the balance between your creativity in sewing and baking, because baking, you've turned that into a business. You, mm -hmm. You've got an outlet, your website, your Instagram. Most of that revolves around baking, not necessarily sewing. Yeah. So the sewing you're doing for gifts or your, for your own purposes, yeah. I would assume, right? What's your, you're, you're still your goal or your vision for the rest of your life. What Talk about that a little bit because you yeah. still have Even that. Even though my major, it's apparel design, I kind of always want to keep like sewing and like making clothes as a hobby because I think if I had to sell, it would just be a lot of work and not as much fun if people were telling me what to make and I wasn't like choosing it. So like I think gifts could be cool and stuff like that, but I don't want to be like like ordered, like have orders of like things I have to make for sewing. But with baking, I definitely want to do that. And I definitely want to open a bakery still. And so hopefully I can still get the resources I need in college to help that. Um, yeah, but that's still the plan after college to open a bakery somewhere. Don't know where yet, but. Or what that could even look like. Because yeah. I think since you've been home, what, not even a month, uh, you've had orders where yes. people were excited that Kinley was coming back to the states locally you had people that missed your desserts um, they got their calorie intake somehow else <laughs> while you were gone um so i think since you've been home you've probably sold what about 500 dollars worth yeah, of different probably. goods right and that's not bad for a couple weeks so what did that look like you were forced to take a break from kinley's confections and then you had the opportunity to start that again. Mm -hmm. So what did that look like as far as how did you handle not being able to do Kinley's Confections? And then what did you do to get back into the business? Um, well, not, I just kind of closed all my order tabs and was like, oh, not going to be in the States. Like, and luckily I didn't really have to tell that many people like after the fact, like, oh, sorry, I'm not here. Um, so I think people like got, I got the message across, I think. And then, um, but I didn't like delete anything or like 
pretty, I pretty much just like closed the order forms and left everything else as it was. And then it sat for a few months. And then a couple weeks before I got back home, I posted like, oh, orders will be open December 27th. Like start putting in your orders, um, open back all of the order forms, updated the website a little bit. Um, yeah. People responded. Yeah. yeah. And I know that sometimes with baking and different things, we as humans are very visual. So what are some of the things, what do you say, what would you say have been your best um, tactics or advertising that like every single time is guaranteed for somebody to place an order? What are some of the things that you post or do? Yeah. Um, I feel like pretty much every time I post cake pops, if people have had the cake pops before, they'll order them. Like, I like it's almost my mom always says you have to give people an idea of what they want. They don't know what they want. You have to tell them. So like if I post, but if I post like cake pops or macarons or a cake um, and then put like the order form like, oh, like you can have this too. Like, I don't know. But it is hard because making the content is like like the free part. And then you're like, well, what if no one actually orders? Usually they do, but it's just like the work. And then that goes into like one picture to post. It's like for a whole order, so it's hard. Yeah, I think that is a huge thing is that the difference of you just post, I'm available for orders, Yeah, might have one person reach out. Yeah, You post cake pops and they're like in a pretty setting or decorated a certain way and you post them and say, perfect for your New Year's Eve or your mm -hmm. Super Bowl game, then all of a sudden you have three, four orders. And sometimes it's not even that, you know, maybe they're not ordering the cake pops for that event, but it reminds them that they need to order cookies for this upcoming baby shower, yeah. you know, like, so I think people really have to see exactly what you do versus if you just put words now, nobody reads anything yeah. anymore. <laughs> you definitely have to give a visual of some sort. Yeah. And your website, let's talk about that for a little bit, because your business, there's, there wasn't much investment in that. Yeah. Uh, you, your equipment cost a little bit of money. Um, that was pretty much it. But your website is run off of Wix, mm -hmm. right? And so it was pretty much a template that you modified and pay, what, $10, $20 a year or a month for, if mm -hmm. that? I think it's like $200 a year. A year, But yeah. I mean, that's not bad. Um, it might be every two years also. I'm not really sure. And then the domain. The domain. That was so, probably the most expensive was the domain. And then your, your biggest source, uh, your funnel, so to speak, is Instagram. Correct? Yeah. Which is completely free for yeah. you. I definitely get, like, my website only gets views because of my Instagram. It's not like my people are just going straight to my website. They're definitely all coming from Instagram or Facebook maybe, but pretty much just Instagram. Yeah. And you were able to achieve over 10,000 followers on Instagram. You um, had sponsorship through um, an apron company, a yes. sprinkle company, Amazon influencer. All of that was kind of income sources yeah. coming in, in addition to sales, yes. correct? Yeah. So in... How did you start those relationships with those different vendors? Yeah, I feel like ever since the influencer trend has become a thing, I've always been like, oh, that's cool. Like, And then all the brands are like, yeah, we need influencers because I think they really do help. Um, and so for the apron company, I actually reached out to them and they were like, yeah, of course, like we would love to be promoted on your page. And then um, so for them, they just send me a lot of aprons. I have 
more aprons than I could ever need right now. <laughs> um, um, just for like a video, which I think is crazy. But and then my, the sprinkle company reached out to me, I believe, and I was that was I was so excited that day because I had always like ordered from them, obviously, and now like I just like have so many I couldn't even like fathom ordering again. But <laughs> like it's so fun, and I feel like like my followers really know like I genuinely like these sprinkles and like they're great, and I like really love making things with them. It helps me be creative. Yeah. And it was the products that you were already using. Yeah, so I was I already had both things. Like, and you were tagging them yeah. in posts and videos. The sprinkles there is usually not one order that leaves your yeah. kitchen without a sprinkle on it. Yeah, so pretty much all my that's orders. something that is always um yeah. part of a Kinley's confection. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, Unless I'm specifically told not to put sprinkles, that's the only time it doesn't. <laughs> and then you question, are you sure? Yeah. You know, that... Not even white ones. <laughs> yeah. So um, kind of your business, it, it created enough for you to do things throughout high school. Obviously, it'll create yeah. enough cash flow for you to do things through college and just give you options, yeah. I believe. Will you also look for other opportunities, other jobs to supplement Kinley's Confections? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I would love to work in like a bakery or something else where I could get more bakery experience and just learn how things are run and like what to do, maybe what not to do um, in my own bakery because I've never really been in a, like a real bakery setting before, working obviously. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be really cool to find a bakery to work in at some point during college. Yeah. Well, and you've already applied for one, so yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Maybe there's uh, an update there to provide, but... Getting back to your study abroad and your first semester, now knowing what you did, and it was uh, the way that it all worked out, you know, the path that led you to Switzerland and then the path that's now leading you to Baylor, we would have never planned that a year ago Yeah, looking back, right? Like it all happened for a reason. So if somebody else was given the opportunity, their child was given the opportunity to go study abroad, what would you say to that person? Um, I would definitely say visit the location first. Um, find out if they have good public transportation because I think my experience would have been totally different if I was in a bigger city with an underground or something that was more frequent than a one-hour bus. But um, definitely go visit the school first. Just know what it's going to be like. Um, yeah, but I think as long as you do those two things, really, you should like know what to expect and know what like your environment's going to be going into it and how you're going to get around and stuff like that. Yeah. Transportation is key. Um, do you think that going the first semester out of high school is the right call? Um, that your, your plan was a little bit different, but what are your thoughts there versus later on in the college? I career? think it definitely takes the right kind of person. I don't think everyone could do it right out of high school, but I think, um, like if you think you can handle it, maybe, maybe ask other people if they think you can handle it, but. Well, compared to the other group of kids that you were there with. Yeah. I mean, how did they handle it? Yeah. They didn't handle it. I mean, they handled it fine. They all survived. Um, they handled it like you would expect a college freshman to handle it. Um, yeah. I don't know. What about length of time? Yeah. I don't know if I would recommend doing a whole semester. Um, maybe if you have the option to just do like f six weeks or a less than that, I don't know. Um, maybe do that for the first time. But 
um, or maybe schedule a trip where your parents come up or you go home. Like, I feel like that's definitely like necessary, especially because you don't really get that many breaks because they don't have as many holidays in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. And then while we're giving advice, what would you say to someone who has maybe two parents who have kids younger than you are that are wanting to help their kids gain maybe like a business sense or like kind of help um, grow that entrepreneurial spirit? What would you say? Mm, Well, I don't know if you're going to like this, but like... (laughs) advertise to your friends <laughs> like have the parents like really because I feel like you really pushed on like oh like Kinley has cake you you should buy it like I feel like that's what kind of started everything so like just like maybe just like post about it or tell your friends like oh she really wants to do this like could you support her because it's better than like just coming from like oh I'll buy your cake like obviously you will like you're my mother like <laughs> like I don't I want someone else to buy it um so just like kind of encouraging that in that sense I think yeah I love that So we're in, you know, this is the first podcast of 2024. This is January 5th of 2024, obviously a whole year ahead of us. What are you most excited about for this year, for starting at Baylor, for everything that is yet to come? What are you most excited about? Um, I'm definitely excited about new opportunities and being closer to home, especially than Switzerland was. Um, I don't know. What else? (laughs) Just all the new opportunities that are going to come. That's kind of it. I don't really know what to expect. Maybe just keeping an open mind the whole year. Yeah, because you're going into a situation where you're going to be placed uh, with roommates that you didn't know before. You'll have people from your high school that go to Baylor, but not in the same room or dorm necessarily. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot yet to come. I think I'm most excited for you that you will have a kitchen in your dorm that starting this semester and can get back to the things that you know you love like as far as an outlet and it won't be as difficult and challenging as it was in Switzerland because you will have your car where you can go get ingredients and supplies and things that you need and then also your proximity to Mm -hmm. your customers um, will just be that much greater so I think I'm most excited that you get to start that and then also uh, learning more and kind of honing your skills of sewing. Yeah. That's really exciting as well. Yeah. For sure. Creativity in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else? Any final questions to ask while we have her in the hot seat? I don't think so. Do you have any any questions for us or comments that you'd like to close with? No. That's all. That's all. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. I know that it was um, not the place you would have chosen to be on a Friday early morning, uh, but we appreciate you being here. And I know that the listeners will take a lot away from what you've had to say. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. Leave us a review with your thoughts, comments, and feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.